Hello and welcome to his Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And uh, we've just seen Le Mans 66, or as it's known in America, Ford v Ferrari. It's got a couple of titles. Has it? Yeah, I think that just outside of America, they probably thought they're not going to be interested as much in the business thing, <laughs> the companies. Hmm. But Le Mans like, is actually a sort of popular race. Right. So maybe that's the calculation. Don't know, but that's what, that's what it is. Spoilers coming up. We spoil everything, including who wins. <laughs> I've seen it twice now, because I saw it last night with Matt, and then I saw it again today with you, because you'd not seen it. And I was happy to see it twice, because I enjoyed it. Yes. And we were having a discussion on Twitter, or a, a little sort of head-to-head with uh, Lee, who has previously been on the podcast, as local yes. Birmingham filmmaker, Lee Kemp. Get me a podcast on Le Mans yes. 66, he <laughs> said. Too sweet. Um, and I said, is it as entertaining as Rush? Because I've been looking forward to seeing it. And he said, oh, it might even be better. And I said, impossible. Yes. And I think I'm right. But I, I like st- it. Better. I still have a good time. Do you like it more than Rush? Yeah. Go on I, then. Well, I mean, I really love Rush. But I think what this film does that Rush doesn't do is it got me really emotionally involved. Right. And at the end, I was welling up. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. So, I thought you were guffawing, as you often do when films get sentimental at the end. No, I was sniffing, sniffling at this oh, one. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, kind of, it, it got to me. Oh, well done. You know, especially, at, you know, when Matt Damon has that conversation with the son. Yeah. Uh, you know. But yeah, that, that is the climax of the film. Well, that's not right. the climax, but the ending of the film. The film is, like, about friendship. Yes. You know, and about male friendship and about kind of living through one's ideals and also about knowing yourself, yeah? Kind of. And and also about kind of give and take amongst friends as opposed to onto business, right? So, and it, it really, I think it works emotionally uh, uh, much better than Rush. You know, I think Rush is fantastic. I think on an intellectual level, it might be a better film. I'm, you know, like I, I'd have to see it again to, to compare. I, I think, think the filmmaking is better, for one thing. But I think it didn't get me as emotionally involved as this one. No, I think that's fair enough. I think by the end of Rush, Rush being the film about Nicky Lauda and James Hunt's 1976 fight for the yes. Formula One driver's title. Um, that was about building this, building this friendship out of this rivalry. And by the end, it was kind of tying everything up with this neat kind of, well, Nicky Lauda thinks one way and James Hunt thinks the other. And... It was nice, but it, it but it wasn't. It didn't hit you or yeah. anything like that. I mean, I this think, I think does because this ends, and this is kind of spoilers, but it is based on a true story. This ends with the death of one of the characters. Well, it doesn't end with that, which it, which I thought was so interesting because actually it goes on for quite a considerable time, maybe like another ten minutes or something. No, they're know. not long scenes. He dies in testing, and then Carol Shelby can't handle it six months later, and then he goes to see yeah the family. So. It ends much later than I thought it would. Yeah. So it puts the accent on something else, which is about that friendship and that family. The relationship uh, between Ken and his son is, is a real constant throughout the film. And as is the relationship between Ken and his wife. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, in a way, the, uh, the triangle, really. So it's the, it's the friendship uh, with Shelby... 
it's his love of his wife and it's his love and relationship with his child and actually all of those relationships are very kind of well worked through and very unusual i mean you expect in a film about car racing you know for there to be models and champagne bursting and you know lots of casual sex or whatever this really kind of is unusual in that it is really very much about you know a man's love for his wife and his wife's support of 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 his goals and a very loving relationship between father and son and a very close friendship between men yeah yes but i also think this is something that i found missing about it um or or at least tame um i before we get into it i suppose i should quickly say what it's actually about because i don't think i have yet Mm. it's about um ford in the mid-60s wanting to compete at le mans which is a 24-hour endurance race in france for those who, who don't know um and it's, it, I mean, it's properly, you know, really prestigious. And Ferrari owned this race in the early to mid 60s. Mm. Um, and Ford wanted to take the title from them. And so they spent God knows how much money and, in, and uh, hired Carol Shelby, who was, ba- who was putting, you know, sort of big engines in little cars and just mm. like kind of. He's a real American motoring hero, right? Mm. Car design hero. And he was working with this bloke from Birmingham, Sutton Coalfield, mm. called Ken Miles who I think a lot of people don't really know about. I, I only vaguely knew about him. I kind of knew his name. and I, I knew not I knew he competed in Le Mans. Mm. Um, so Carol Shelby's played by Matt Damon. Ken Mars is played by Christian Bell with the fantastic Brummy accent. Mm. I love it. And they together built the Ford GT40, which in 1966 beat Ferrari mm. at Le Mans. Just to give a little background, because I actually think that the film does this very well. So basically, kind of where the film starts off is uh, Ford sales are plummeting. And part of the reason why they're plummeting is because there's now baby boomers. Yeah, post-war baby boomers, you know, who are kind of buying their first cars. And the 50C thoughts of reliability and size and so on kind of is no longer attractive, you know, to these young kids who have so much disposable income. So they've got to try, you know, Ford has to try something new. Yeah, and this is where Shelby and Miles come in. Yeah, John Bernthal is the kind of one of the upper sort of people. Lee Iacocca, who for anybody of my generation, he's a famous name. Oh, he wasn't to me. Right. Go on. Uh, well, you know, he. I think, I don't know if he was associated with Ford in particular by the time that I knew him. You know, but he was one of the big car business people of the era, you know. And I think, you know, particularly at a time where there were cutbacks and so on and I think he resuscitated one of the car companies. I mean, by the 70s, it might not be Ford. I'm not sure. Uh, but as someone who doesn't know anything about cars, he was practically a household name with me growing up. So. Oh, right. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and the other higher up at Ford, apart from Henry Ford himself, Henry Ford II, this is. Yes. Old man Ford, long gone, um, is Leo Beebe. And who plays him, by the way? Josh Lucas. Okay. Well, I recognise from bits and pieces. I'll just no. check what he's done because I definitely recognize. Oh, he's an American psycho. Mm. I mean, he has got that that yuppie wanker look to him. Yeah, that's... and he's and he's playing that here as well. Yeah. I mean, he's very good. He's great. A beautiful mind he was in, and he's a wanker in that I think as well. Mm. Um, and a load of other stuff. Mm. Yeah, J. Edgar, which I didn't see, but he's got that. Yeah, again, he's got that look. He's got that early to mid sort of century American yeah. businessman look. Anyway, he's lazy. Yeah, calculating. Yeah, Michael, uh, a more handsome Michael Gove look. <laughs> a lot more handsome. Reptilian. <laughs> um, so, 
the thing is, chatting about it with Matt in the car yesterday and then thinking about it during watching it a second time today, all I could think about were criticisms, really, which is a shame because I want to get out, I want to like make it clear that it's a film that I really enjoyed and I, I saw it twice. Well, let's go through your criticisms. And it's, two, and it's two and a half hours as well, so it's like I was happy to see it, see it twice. I, I think it's That's wonderful. So let's go through your criticisms and then I can, you know, interject. Well, there's so many. I think basically the thing is, I didn't know until the film began that it was directed by James, James Mangold. Mangold. It says a, a James Mangold film, or film who by did James Copland and Three Forty to Yuma, and who I really don't Logan. rate as a director. Basically, uh, the first one of his that I saw was Three Ten to Yuma, mm. which is fine. Night and Day was fine. I don't know that one. That was Tom Cruise and. Cameron Diaz trying to oh, yeah. stay Ooh. relevant. It was all right. The Wolverine, which was fine. Logan, which was fine. All he does is make fine films. And and he makes films, I think, that kind of look like other films or look like films should look. And I don't think he's really an artist. I think Logan was overrated. Um, yeah. I, 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 okay. Um, I think we can agree on that, actually, because... My heart sinks when I see his name attached to a film. Oh, well, I, 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 it doesn't with me. I, I, don't, uh, I don't dislike him. But it's true to say that there wasn't like a single shot in the film that you go, wow, yeah. Yeah, it's not like a, it's not a dislike, but it's just a feeling that this isn't going to be as good as it could be. Mm. You know, um, which I and and like yeah, you're right. I think there are actually shots here that I started picking up on as as a really nonsensical, not just like not pretty or anything, because that's really not the issue. And I think it, it's kind of it. it, it con- some of the shots were very pretty. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, like, it, uh, and it conveys that mid '60s. Yeah, Americana aesthetic. Those very shots nice. of dusk in the uh, airport, I think. Yeah, it's it's on the on the runway when he's with his son. Yeah, those are a, beautiful. A couple of beautiful shots yeah. there. I agree, and I think you know, I, I think he really, he really nicely sort of conveys the feeling of driving and speed. Mm. Yes, but I think, so. but but it's it's the feeling of driving as opposed to the feeling of racing. I don't think this is a very good racing. Film. Although at least they're not very good racing scenes. I thought they were. I mean, I, I, I'm not an expert, but I enjoyed watching them, and I felt, I felt he was very good at creating kind of suspense in the racing. I enjoyed watching them too, but I, I, I think there are there are storytelling issues in the racing. That well, what are they? Because again, you know, I as okay, so the opposite a, of the of a motorhead. Yeah, I found them tense and exciting. There are a number of issues that I had with the racing. One of which kind of overall is that this is about endurance racing <clears throat> so these are 24 hour races as opposed to you know Formula 1 like your race is an hour and a half long two hours um, so it's a very different kind of racing you're not racing to be first exactly but you're racing to cover the most distance in the allotted time and it has stresses on you I mean, I've been to to endurance races before. I've been to a couple of 24 hour races. There's this race called Brick Car that happens at We should mention at this point that we did the Nürburgring together. <laughs> you drove, and I was yeah, like. <laughs> I, I drove the Nürburgring. It, but I was a passenger on the Nürburgring. <laughs> one day you'll pronounce it correctly. I know you. Oh, what is it? Nürburgring. 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 Excuse moi. It's German. <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't do that for 24 hours, but it was cracking fun. And you, mm. were, and you were a champ. I was, <laughs> uh, but no, no, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not the kind of craziest sort of motorhead. But I've been to uh, to to Britcar a few times, and it's a really interesting experience. A 24 hour race because, especially at Britcar, because it's not a big event. Mm. It's become bigger because the thing is, um, I went there when Top Gear 
did it. They they made a car to participate. So I went to watch them. Mm. And it wasn't a big event at the time. And then since being on Top Gear, it became much bigger. Um, and it was a really interesting experience because with very few fans being in the stands, yeah, I mean, there were more people in the pits than there were in the stands watching. Mm. So it really wasn't about the spectators, you know? Like, Formula One, is it's all about the glamour and the glitz and it's on TV. This wasn't that at all. This was about the drivers just getting round, like, doing it for themselves. Mm. And I remember because we camped, and so we went to see... The, the race started at 3 or 4 o'clock. We watched it for a bit, went and had dinner. And then I got everyone up to go and watch again at, like, 2 in the morning. Mm. And that was really interesting because there's really no one there and it's foggy and you really can't see anything as they kind of depict in this a bit and there's a there's a you get this feeling of like solitude like you know you these these guys are just just pounding out the miles mm. you know and the, you get no feeling of that here every moment this is like watching match of the day where instead of seeing all the shit bits of a football match as well as the good bits you just see the good bits so I'm every sure. moment is intense no because i think the film is very well structured and actually i think it's a very good sc- a screenplay yes yeah, so do i and so at the very beginning you have all of those shots of driving at night you know, and how grueling it is and so on. So you, you do have a sense of what that entails, right? Though, of course, that's the beginning and then the film, you know, as it proceeds. Yeah, that's, that's watching Carol else. Shelby competing at Le Mans. That's, that's a, right. the very, very opening. But, you know, you have Daytona, mm. which is where um, they try and sort of fuck him and, and that's where Carol Shelby goes, 7,000 RPM, go like hell. Mm. And, the, and he wins. And earns the right to drive at Le Mans, and then there's Le Mans, and and in those, you, I don't think there's any real conveyance of feeling of endurance at all. There's like there's a split second of a shot during Le Mans where you see Miles uh, asleep, and it's a split second, like he's in focus, then out of focus again. Mm. I didn't even catch it until the second time I watched the film. Mm. You know, I really don't think it's good at conveying that at all. Mm. Um, and then in in more specific kind of areas of, of problems with the racing here's the thing that they do a couple of times is breaking late into a corner so there's this thing about it's basically a game of chicken when you're driving alongside someone else and you're going to a corner it's who's going to break latest and it's not just about winning the corner but it's about winning the battle and that's kind of fairly well conveyed but the problem is that when miles outbreaks his opponent mm. then he gets around the corner really easily and that's a problem because the point is that breaking late has a cost I think you're losing sight of the thing. I think in a film that is about a male friendship and, you know, the kind of highlights the relationship between these men, the relationship between one of them and his wife and his child, whether he breaks fast or not fast in one of the corners is really a minor point. Well, it's not a minor point when you literally asked me what were your problems and I started talking, here's the problems with the racing. It's a film which has three racing set pieces, three kind of central races, and I think the racing is not conveyed well. Well, so those are I the think, problems. I I'm... think to a, you know to a non-specialist audience, it is, you know, because actually it's exciting. You get the sense of what the narrative is like at those points. You know, you can make a connection between all of the racing sequences that you see, and they're all different. You know, and they all have kind of different emotional moments attached to them, right? So, so I do think that if the film succeeds in doing that, which I think it does, then whether a guy breaks first or later or whatever to me is insignificant okay it could be significant to you but I think it's bad t- bad storytelling I think it's bad filmmaking I think the problem with James Mangold this is James Mangold all over is he is aggressively offensively competent at telling basic stories and then you get into details and he's actually incompetent 
I think he's incompetent to points. So, uh, so here's another one. At the first race that you see Miles win, he's he just overtakes one guy on like the last straight, and it's a photo finish basically as to who wins the race. He just wins. So seeing who crosses the line first is important. And actually, the shot where he crosses the line happens like almost off screen. It's to the right of the screen, to the right of the frame. It makes no sense the way it's composed. Right. It so like the important thing is not being emphasised properly. That's what I mean. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. He doesn't seem to understand at times what the story that he should be telling or is trying to tell. The important things to convey. And yet he's immensely successful at conveying the emotional, the emotions of the piece. Did you think that the music was terrible? And manipulative. Um, and quite cheap. <laughs> I think those are leading questions, aren't they? <laughs> You're allowed to say so, no. Well, to be honest, I just didn't pay that much attention to the music. So, uh, it's a terrible soundtrack. It's all guitar-y and do-do-do-do. Okay, that's well, why, that's I, why I thought that you were getting all annoyed no, at the end. Because no, it was so obvious. I was very moved by the, you know, by friendship and loss and love you know the things yeah. that you rarely see in racing films in fact and i think you know i i haven't checked the box office for this but i can imagine this being a huge success because it does those things so well uh it's made its budget back it cost 100 million it's made over 100 million already so a hit right oh yeah it's, I'm, I, I, there are really good things about it and i must i i, I feel like i'm going to constantly have to be taking pains to say that i think there are really good things about it and i liked it and i've seen it twice for a reason Right. But I also have all these criticisms. If you want to get on to some of the good stuff, you know, there's some of that too. And like I said, I think the aspect of, of business and salesmanship is one of the most interesting things about the film. Well, actually, that's um, what I hated the most. Okay. And I think it's crude. I think this kind of, you know, the way that it pits uh, Ferrari against Ford uh, feeds into this America first kind of ideology in a way that I really dislike. There were a few references to the war in there and there is a kind of allies versus the Axis going on in the English and Americans being allied against the Italians. Yes, I didn't like that. Um, I can't imagine this film being as popular in Italy. No, no I think it's needlessly I. offensive in that way actually. Yeah, and, and when the Italian um, uh, pit crew are sent scrabbling around, they, they, they steal their stopwatches, the Americans steal their stopwatches and they go into a kind of cartoon tizzy looking for yes. them. And it's kind of, it was, I mean, okay, it made me laugh, so I hold my hands up. I've, I found it very funny, but it is also... But it's crude and cheap. It, it, exactly, it's crude and cheap. The same thing with the screw. Yeah, and then Old Man Ferrari up on the balcony, literally shaking a fist. Yeah. You know, it is very crude. Yeah. Very, very crude. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, uh. Well, you made the point. But I also think that it, it's interesting that... Um, Henry Ford II, played by Tracy Letts, who I love. Tracy Letts is really good. He does this in Homeland as well, at playing powerful men who are being told to fuck off by other people. Mm. It, he he handles it so badly, you mm. know. I really like that, and that's what he brings to this. Um, although people only tell him to fuck off so much because he is Henry Ford. Mm. Um, but he is not a racer. He has no interest in that. He is a businessman through and through. And this is brought to him as a way of selling cars. Well, he's not... Let me inter interject yeah, a little okay. point because he's not just a businessman through and through. I think, you know, what the film is also good at doing is is to show that he is Henry the Second and not Henry the First. Yes. Yeah, that he is a son of entitlement with things to prove, that has things too easy, that takes a helicopter, whatever. You know, that he's like a king 
He's like a medieval king in his <laughs> kingdom. Yeah, that's a good point. Everybody and there is that moment when when Shelby drives him around in the Ford GT40, and it's just it's a brand new experience to him. Um, and he's and like he, the major American car maker, and it's a brand new experience to him. Yeah, right, yeah. So. But the point I'm getting to is he all he, he says, "I wish my dad." Could see, see me now. Which my dad, not not could see uh, me now. He he's crying. Yes. Because he's had this kind of, he's been shaken, but he says, you know, I wish my dad could see this and feel this. And it's like it's about his dad that moment. For yes, him, it is. Uh, which is interesting. And the whole thing is about him proving himself. It is exactly. So um, um, so, so because that's, it, because that's, yeah because it's when old man Ferrari Enzo Ferrari says you're not Henry. You're Henry the Second. That's right. That's when he turns. Yes. And he goes, "Okay, we're going to fuck him up." But you see, I think this is where this film is so successful. Yeah. That you have these characters who are secondary, but who bring in, you know, a whole world, and actually who are responsible for a particular kind of emotional resonance at every point in the film. I think that's true of him. I think that's true of the wife. I think that's true of. You know the villain of the piece, yeah, the publicity man. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it's like, Baby. and yet all of this is orchestrated in relation to, you know, this 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 friendship between these two men, who um, are often at odds, but who basically kind of share the same project, yeah. Same project and same goals. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think the film is immensely successful. It's a very good screenplay. Um. But also, you know, to kind of keep you emotionally involved through all of these different elements is, I mean, something that I have to unpack because I think it's very rare in cinema at the moment. It's very rare in American cinema, and it's even more rare in films that um, uh, star two men, yeah? Mm. You know, this is a male-driven film, yeah? Mm. So, you know, for it to, to have this emotional, yeah, for it to have an emotional resonance, for a film to kind of bring me, to get me to well up, which is about, you know, fucking car racing, you know, and and really about friendships between men, I think it's quite something. I mean, I rarely am. Fair enough. Um, I think we slightly went off the point of what I wanted to bring up about business, though, because I think what what I was getting to um, was that um, it's, it's a film that it's about salesmanship. So this starts off as a project to sell Ford to younger people. Yes. And John Bernthal, who, as I now oh, realize, I love. plays the VP of Ford, um, when he gives his presentation, what he's talking about is, he's talking about why Ferrari is the greatest car manufacturer in the world and why Enzo Ferrari will go down as the greatest car mm. manufacturer in history. And he's talking about the fact that they sell victory and they sell sex and and lifestyle basically he's talking yes. about advertising you know and people buy ferraris because they want a piece of that mm-hmm. and we can do that too and the conflict between the real racers working on the car and driving the car and the corporate head honchos who are who see it as a means to an end mm. goes throughout the film up to the point where at the end miles is forced essentially forced it's it's portrayed as a choice i'm not sure it was really a choice to slow down and not win Le Mans outright and instead bring in the 3-4 GT40s as a dead heat yes. for a photo opportunity we I think can sell do- for. I think he does that for Shelby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that, uh, that's definitely how it comes across in the film. I, I meant more in real life, mm. I don't know. In the film, yeah, it's it's a choice he makes for Shelby, isn't it? Yes. Um, so it, it's about this selfishness all the way through and, and there's a kind of... 
and I suppose I felt there was a kind of tameness to the film which reflected that in a weird way like watching it back there's more swearing the second time than I than I thought the first time but still it, it felt kind of tame I think the sex thing is really interesting because the one the one important woman in the film maybe the only woman in the film yeah the only woman who has speaking lines <laughs> is Ken's wife Mars's wife and as you said they have this you know, devoted loving relationship which was lovely to see it really it's was so rare to see that Carol Shelby is this guy who was like fucking supercharging engines and putting these kind of small block V8s into the AC ace and whatever you think he would spend his whole life fucking you know, I don't really know why he wasn't. Mind you, they are in the mid forties rather than like twenty eight. Sure. Um, but you know, I I think that's a. It feels like a lack in his character. I don't know why he, there's no sex in his life. I feel like there should be. Oh. Um, Do you think? No, I mean, I think this is part of why I find the film actually more interesting and better than you do, right? Because. You know, why should it, in a way, right? Like, you know, so on the one hand, you have a happily married person. On the other hand, you have a person who drinks too much, who is living in a trailer at the beginning of the film, who, you know, there's a big uh, point made of, of showing a beer top on his bed, mm. right? So he's just drinking himself, you know, to sleep every night. So, um, you know... You get a sense that uh, um, you know, it probably just has transient relationships. Yeah, kind of that sets up a lifestyle in which kind of emotional relationships aren't important. And his main emotional relationship is with um, Ken Miles. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, now you know. Now that you mention it, is there something there? But I don't think there is actually. I mean, I just think you have a happily married man, and you have an unhappy single person, you know? Mm. And that's, yeah, kind of in the middle of life and, you know, maybe things were different before and maybe things are different after the period that you see. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, this this thing of, you know, two men with a drive and a goal, one whose life is a mess, the other one who's actually a very happily married person and whose problems in life are financial and business and whatever but yeah. not emotional I think you know that's part of the dynamic between them I, I kind of okay, I don't have enough. a problem with that fair enough it, it, I must say it did feel like a, like a lack to me but um, but I think that's I think that's a reasonable I think what's clear right is that there's no sign you know which it would be easy to put in and read but there's no sign of um you know that that Shelby's gay or yeah, no, no, like, I wasn't suggesting that at all. Yeah, but that's important, okay. right? Because it, you know, the, I mean, that might you know that might have added a very interesting dimension to the film. <laughs> but actually, it's just not there, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's someone who, at this point in the film that you're watching, yeah, doesn't seem to have a sex life or a romantic life. Yeah, mm. whereas, yeah, the other person is very happily married, has a family, is very loving. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose I hadn't connected to his other personal problems. I mean, he is right at the very, very, very beginning of the film. He is forced to stop racing because his heart can't take it, and he has to go on these pills. Yeah. Um, so you know, and the uh, pills are a recurring motif. They are, and he's and he's always on them. And um, although he's not living in that trailer, he's just staying in it because that's at the track. Okay. Um, so yeah, the I'm sure pills, he has a house. Though are um, a recurring motif. He's someone who fears. Was at a moment 
that he fears death, that a heart attack could come and take him at any time. However, what I was kind of trying to get to was a sort of relationship between the film's theme of salesmanship and image and its kind of nature as well being feeling kind of shaped and so if you compare it for instance to Rush Rush is sexy and dangerous and dirty and all mm. these things there's there's very very little of that here no as you say it might, it's yeah, also talking right. about different things mm. but you know but this was this was, this is a dirty dangerous sport and all the rest of it and um, and so and that's not what this film is at all this film is very sort of PG in that respect and and I think and I think there is something there is something that feels corporate and tame about that well I'm not sure I agree because I think the whole ethos of the film is actually anti that corporate way of doing things. You know, the villain is that corporate mind speak, yeah, as personified by Josh Lucas. Exactly. So, so I think the film is very much against that. Yeah. So, so on the one hand, it has that Ford versus Ferrari thing. On the other hand, it has a thing about the individual versus Ford, right? Mm. And I think it manages those things quite well. Yeah, in the text, but 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 the way that it the way that it feels and comes across, the way the film has been made, feels slightly anodyne to me. You know, it feels like an easy watch. It feels it, it feels like it's selling kind of grace and ease and things as opposed to struggle. You know, like like I say, that, you know, I don't want to bang on about the race too much, but there there should be struggle in the racing and there really doesn't feel like there is it's a lark really you know it's fun um, it's, and it's a huge amount of fun to watch but I think but the, it's not hard well I you know you are focusing on the racetrack I am focusing on the home life you know or well, the, the home inter- life is easy too no it's not yes it is no it isn't of course it is no it isn't they work out their problems really quickly a major scene in the film is the wife practically committing suicide on the road right because she wants honesty from her husband. I think that scene is trite and a failure. Well, um, I'm not sure whether I agree or disagree with you, but the fact is that it's there. And, you know, they come to an understanding at the end, which also underlines how good their relationship is. Right, but the point that I'm making is that things get worked out very easily. Things get worked out very, very easily in this. Well, I, you know... It's an easy watch. It's an easy film. I think it is... Actually, easy. I think part of the film's success is that it makes things like a good marriage kind of um, interesting and complicated and appealing in a way that other films don't even attempt to do it. I mean, kind of, you know, the reverse would be so much easier. It's so much easier to put, like, you know, kind of three hookers on a bed <laughs> than to kind of work out the emotional interrelationship between a husband and a wife. Well, no, I suppose that's true. But... Which is what this film does. But it doesn't make anything seem tricky, you know. I mean, even 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 when he's even when they actually have that argument about him giving up the racing and saying I need to get a real job, you know, is it a, how much of an argument does that does that feel like? How much of a turning point? Well, I liked it very much because actually I thought the wife was coming from one point, the guy was coming from another, you know. Uh, the wife was trying to be clear. The husband was like, you know, uh, what sort of pussyfooting around. But actually, you didn't quite realize, is he pussyfooting around because he wants to hide something? Is he pussyfooting around because he wants to protect her? I mean, there's all these interesting tensions in those in that scene. Yeah, I didn't think so. Well, I thought it was pretty okay, bad. We I thought it was basic. On that. Yeah, no, we disagree. I, mean, I thought it was basic. I, I like, what, what, what are you comparing it to? Well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not comparing it to anything in particular. 
but it felt easily kind of resolved and easily understood. Well, and, it, and it's an easy... This is, I don't think it's a huge problem. Like I said, I think one of the things that is actually appealing about the film is that some of these things are easy and aren't too challenging. But I don't think it's a challenging drama in any respect. Um... No, I well, it's not. Cha- I mean, it's not challenging. It's not an art film, you know. It is popular filmmaking, um, but I think it conveys those things incredibly well and in a way that are almost instantly emotionally apprehensible. And actually, that is something to kind of work through because it's lacking in most films. Mm. You know, most films don't engage you on any level, actually, and even fewer do so on this level. I mean. You know, kind of a large part of this film is about a happy marriage and a happy home life and a lovely relationship between a father and the son. So why is it so engaging? Because it is engaging. You know, and it has an emotional payoff. Or at least it did with me. It, 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 yeah, it didn't have that emotional payoff with me, I've got to say. Um, you know, and I don't want to be overly critical of it, but it was it was engaging at a very rudimentary level that stuff to me but is it rudimentary if you don't see it anywhere you know because I mean you know kind of we've been it's well, almost our it? two, it's, it's almost our 200th podcast how many films have been about a happy home life you know one of the protagonists you know or about like a rich kind of loving relationship between a father and a son you know or a, you know a kind of a rich relationship probably more than you think a husband and a wife who are nonetheless kind of very different and who do fight. I mean... Probably more than you think. Well, it would be interesting to go through the list because actually I think I, mean, I think you're wrong. I think it's quite rare. I don't know. I, but I don't, I, don't think there's, I don't think there's very much complexity in any of that here anyway. You know, even if you say, oh, it's rare to, to see a happy marriage, which I'm not sure that it really is, um, I don't think it's particularly complex or or especially interesting here i think it's i think it's quite emotional i think it's not quite emotional but it's something to get attached to here you know when she goes to see him at work when she goes to see him when he's listening to the race that he can't be at and she's nice to him and gives him the beer she gets it's lovely but this this is not complex storytelling this is not that original or interesting really okay well you know on a certain level of I mean, I suppose if you want me to say, is this one of the masterpieces <laughs> no. of world cinema? No. Is it the most complex kind of uh, 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 representation of a marriage? No. Right. But, I mean, this is a film, you know, in which, I mean, it's complex enough because, you know, you, what you see is you see them arguing all the time. And actually kind of part of the success of the film is that it makes these arguments seem loving, you know, and kind of mutually respectful and mutually enhancing. It's about kind of, you know both doing what they think is best for the other you know so I, I think I think that's very interesting and I think films rarely um, attempt or achieve that okay well yeah oh, alright fine you're a Grinch today really well no I, <laughs> I, I, this is the thing I like the film enough to see it twice and I enjoyed it the second time but I'm not you know I, I, I just don't think I think there are things about it that are at best competent you know well I'm not sure um, that I would disagree with I mean you know again we're talking about levels but yeah but I do think you know kind of criticism has to praise what's there to be praised and I do also think that you know at least for me few films have made me well up this year and this is one of them yeah sure 
No, no, I, I, you know, I'm taking that away from you. Enjoy your cry. Um, Thank you. I, um, <laughs> Thank you, Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a um, mythologizing aspect, I think, to part of it. And I think what you brought up about... Well, I suppose America first is not what came to mind for me. But there is a kind of... Um, you know, this is the all-American company... Ford. Yeah. Henry Ford invented the production line. He's like he's an American sort of uh, sort of hero in business sort of thing. Um, and the film ends with with a load of text, you know, intertitles on screen saying uh, Ken Miles was inducted into the Motorsports Hall of Fame. Carol Shelby made all the cars, and Ford is the only American company to have won at Le Mans. You know, only American automobile yeah. manufacturer. It's an American thing, right? Mm. And and I think there are it's an American thing. At the height of empire, yeah. So, kind of, this is post World War Two America, you know, um, which kind of led the world, like intellectually, economically, you know. I mean, I remember as a child the way that people would talk about the United States as if it was like this beacon, right? Like, you know, if you'd given a chance of people to stay in Spain or be in America, they would all have chosen. This is when they were going to the moon. Exactly right. And, you know, this is one of the richest people in the planet who's got a blank checkbook, right? Because they make a point of that. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's not just that they spend a lot of money, it's a blank checkbook. And I think this goes along with the aesthetic of the film. You know, it's a, it's a look that we've seen before. If you think about things like Apollo 13, you know, this look of 1960s America yeah. that, that, is, that has this kind of golden sunshine always. Mind you, it's California, so I suppose that's pretty true. But there's a perfection to... There's an idealism. To, to the look visually the um, so you know if you're asking me the film as cinema or whatever yeah. you know in terms of using a medium like I think it's middling right but I think you know within that I think what it achieves is very considerable you know so A it's moving B it's moving about a very unlikely subject at least for me um the performances are great, mm. you know. I and actually, I really dislike Christian Bale. I don't know what it is about him. I oh, really, you know, his sourpuss face or whatever, like, you know, or that YouTube video of him going off. I mean, there's just something like I don't like. I don't like him. Uh, I would not go see a film because he's in it, and actually, it would be a disincentive. Even though I do admire him. Like, I think, what was it called? The Irishman or whatever, where he played the boxer. He was wonderful in that, right? Oh, um... Um... I think he won the Oscar for that. No, I don't think... No, um, What's-Her-Face won the Oscar for it. The supporting actress. The fighter. The fighter. Yeah, he was wonderful in that. What won the Oscars in that? Because it uh, Melissa Leo definitely won... Oh, Bale did win the Oscar. I beg your pardon. Oh, you I don't th- th- think he did. So, he was wonderful. He deserved it. And he's wonderful in this. And so is Matt Damon... Mm-hmm. Right, and I think they play off each other so very well, and actually it's so well cast. Also, you know, there's there's not a single supporting character that's out of place in this film. Do you reckon the son maybe? Is, no, I loved him. Is, do you think he's a little bit sort of dad? I like you. No, I think actually it's a very very good performance for a child actor. Yeah. You know, yes, I do think that. Um, it's not sitcommy. You no, know. especially for an English child actor, they're normally shit. Right. Well, There's normally nothing worse. You know, I mean, all you have to do is look at Mary Poppins and all of those 
you know, bed knobs and broomsticks and yeah. to think how bad a child actor could be. I mean, this is very good. Yeah. Um, so, so I think all of those things are kind of very considerable achievements. I mean, I'm, I'm actually surprised at how much I like it, you know, because like, it just, it feels like it should be something that you hate. It does. And I don't <laughs> just mean because it's about cars and stuff, but to me, there are things about it that really feel so obvious. And that, and the kind of things that you would pick up on and go, oh, this is what American cinema always does. Well, maybe, you but may, maybe I'm being blindsided. Maybe, maybe, maybe just by, got under your by, skin. Yeah, maybe I'm being blindsided by being moved to tears. But, you know, kind of, again, I, I think actually, if I am, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't actually moved to tears, but no, yeah. I did well up. So, you know, I think any film that does that to me is worth thinking about, well, why did it succeed in doing that? Because yeah. usually I'm kind of, um, very suspicious of that. Yeah, yeah. I'm suspicious on your behalf. It's a, <laughs> yes, um, you are. Because usually you're schmaltz. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, I, I, I was very disappointed with the audience today. The audience last night seemed much more up for it and responded much better to the jokes. I heard film. weeping at the end. Did you? I did. Was that just coming from you? No, no. The, the uh, I there was. Um, People sitting in the front of us, just below yeah. the corridor, that they, you could actually hear, uh, right. yeah, responding good. emotionally to the film. Maybe a different audience, because last night I, I didn't detect any weeping, but there were a lot more laughs from the audience. And I think it's a really funny film, and it felt like this audience wasn't up for it in that way today. Hmm. Um, which was a shame to me, because I think the joke still worked. I mean, hmm. I didn't laugh at most of them twice, because I had laughed at them once already. But they're not exactly jokes, but they are, you know, kind of, the scenes provoke laughs mm. and I think there's a bunch of good ones and particularly and, and it, I mean it's largely ca- Christian Bell's characterization of Ken Miles yes. as this very sort of very ironic sarcastic confident brummy yes you know sort of you hated the Aston LA. Villa t-shirt oh god uh, yeah it's somewhere in Aston Villa top and I couldn't have that but you but you know you can't <laughs> well you know you can't you can't uh, you can't have a, a man's club I suppose it's it's sacred but um <laughs> Well, I mean, okay, let's talk about Birmingham for a little bit because I think I think maybe one of the reasons that Lee was talking about it so much is that it is so Birmingham heavy and really show, seems to show an understanding of where Ken comes from, not just not just his accent. You see, I didn't get that at all. I didn't even um, detect the Brummie accent. Really? Did you not? No. I thought, are they from Liverpool? <laughs> No, I think it's a you know maybe your, your mileage may differ at home, you know, but I, I, I think it's a really good accent and no, I, I and believe it's, you. It's on the cartoony side. It's more side. my ignorance than you know. But. Yeah. it's on the cartoony side, you know, but but I really enjoyed it and and I think you know there is there is a brummy charm to Ken, you know. The writers, a couple of the writers I know are English, Jez and John Henry Butterworth. Are they English? Yeah, I think they're from London. Right. They wrote. One of them, Jez, I think, wrote on Spectre, and they both wrote Edge of Tomorrow, which is that Tom oh, Cruise right. song. I love that. Loved. Yes, um, but they definitely seem to have done their research and like bought Carl's Chin book on Brummy sort of slang because there's loads of it in here. Mm. You know, I mean, there's there's kind of general English slang like pillock and using the word lamp as a verb and that sort of yes. thing. But there's some really kind of local bones stuff, like like the phrase "round the reekin." Mm. You know, most of England won't understand that phrase, let alone America. Mm. You know, talking about uh, a cheese cob. For a sandwich, 
you know, yeah. that's a that's a Birmingham. They really seem to have to have done their research and taken it seriously, and I really enjoyed that. And it's something that a Birmingham audience should really be responding to. Matt, Matt, and I were last night. Ah. Every everything we heard, we were going, "Oh, that's from Birmingham." And then you know, you, you see, <laughs> and then you, you provincials, see, you. <laughs> and then you I'm see in the, the movies. <laughs> that's, like, that's kind of what it's like. That, that's how it felt when Peaky Blinders first came on TV ah. as well. You know. Which is written by by Birmingham native yeah, Stephen yeah. what's his name um, Stephen Knight who's a blues fan yes good lad um, you know and then you get like the tin of typhoon yes because he's a tea that. drinker and the marmite jar and you go yes. like it's like walking around the Black Country Museum when you see that stuff <laughs> <laughs> except for the chippy <laughs> yeah the chippy which is great. so yeah it, it's a real joy and I and I wonder whether I would feel anything like as Attached to the film, had Ken Mars been from Scotland or Wales or Yorkshire. But here I am, with even notice any of that stuff, you know, and I was moved by it. But I wonder whether that's saying that that Lee's responding to, you know, it being a it's a big. This has made a hundred million dollars in days, and one of its central characters is a brummy. And yet, you think it's no good? I don't think it's no good. I really enjoy it, but I think it's full of problems, and the problem is James Mangold. <laughs> Why can't he be stopped? Um. You know? I must say, I do think that things like Logan were overpraised, um, and I wouldn't make any great claims on this film as a work of art or anything, but I must say, I think it's very successful, I think it works incredibly well, I think the, the screenplay's fantastic, the, art, the actors are wonderful, uh, and I was very moved by it, and really, you know, kind of, that's almost as much as you can say about a film. If it hits all of those notes, that's a lot of notes to hit. Yeah. Good movie, despite all the things that I think is anodyne about it and that sort of thing. It's a lot of fun. Mm. It's got loads of good jokes. Get it with a good audience, especially. It's very moving. You, you, you had a little weep. I had a little weep. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I took out my handkerchief. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, but I'll, I'll, I enjoy Rushmore. And, I'll, and Rush is the film that I will keep watching again because it's cool. Right. And manly. And all the things that I am not. <laughs> anyway, it's a big hit for very understandable reasons. I enjoyed it very much without thinking that it's one of the great masterpieces of world cinema. Which it's not because it's directed by James Mangold. Thank you very much for listening. We're <laughs> dropping at the movies. And we are on. iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube and Spotify. Uh, on social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Even Matt Damon is Cooper. Tom Hanks, isn't he, these days, I think? He is a little bit. I mean, I thought, I thought that watching this, that he that this really has a, really Apollo 13 things going on. And the scene where he tells Ken, you can't race at Le Mans, mm. is like in Apollo 13 when he tells Ken, you can't go to space. Yes. You know? He is an everyman character. Uh, and he looks very plain, but he's always interesting to look at. So, um, yeah. I think he's wonderful. You never see him in the same room. <laughs>